Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today as we wind down another week in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, and I'm so happy to be a part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We cover it all from the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Treatment and prevention of internal parasites is key for the cattle industry. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. It's shaping up to be a challenging year for those who raise cattle in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and I'll bring you one rancher's perspective on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Green New Deal is back, and it could be a nightmare for farmers and ranchers. Congressional Democrats are once again pushing the radical environmental agenda, and that puts agriculture in the crosshairs. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud sits on the House Agriculture Committee, and he says agriculture is not the problem. It's the solution. The irony of it is almost too rich, but <laughs> that we find the ag community as a target of the Green New Deal initiatives uh, when really they're the solution. And so one of the big things we're working on right now is just to continue to bring forth the message that, you know, U.S. ag producers are doing this the best in the world. And what we don't need is a heavy regulatory burden that will de-incentivize innovation, that will make it harder for us to compete in the world stage and literally would work against the sustainability initiatives that they espouse to want to promote. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud. Texas farmers have dicamba back in their toolbox this year to control weeds, but there are a few new rules you need to follow. One is that you must use a pH buffering agent with the product. BASF Technical Services Representative Adam Hickson says the buffering agent will help reduce volatility. Yeah, so we've we decided to make a or develop a buffering agent uh, over the past couple of years because we anticipated the EPA requirement of having to include this uh, buffering agent. So what does it do? It normalizes or raises that pH to a level of your spray solution to a level that uh, reduces the potential for off-target movement, and so. If the pH of a spray solution gets below five, then maybe we get a little bit concerned about some of that dicamba moving over into a different form and being a little bit uh, more potential for volatility. And so this buffering agent keeps that spray solution above five, regardless of what you're putting in the tank or, um, you know, what your water source is. So, that's the really nice thing about it is it it keeps that 
pH of that solution above five and reduces that potential for volatility. There are several buffering agents on the market. BASF makes one called Centris. Hickson says it's important to follow these new rules for the new dicamba label in order to keep this product around to fight resistant weeds. I mean, I think the main reason that we need to continue to have dicamba for use in our crops is the weed resistance issues that we're still dealing with. Growers are just faced with battles with weeds every year. Um, weeds are changing and if we take one of these tools away from them, uh, they're not going to be able to have a living and do as well farming as they have in the past. That's Adam Hickson, BASF Technical Services Representative. He's based in Lubbock. Reducing internal parasites in cattle is critical to ensuring their health and productivity. Jessica Domel has more. Eating forages too close to the ground and other factors can cause young calves and cattle to become infected with internal parasites. But there are things that you can do now to treat and prevent worms. Dr. Mike Nichols, Senior Professional Services Veterinarian for Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health, says worms can cause a number of health issues in cattle. So what we're really concerned about are the worms, the internal worms that affect calves and cows and live in their abomasum, that's the four stomach of cows, as well as their intestinal tract. And certainly they can cause clinical disease for people who think that an animal looks wormy. That would be the clinical effect that a heavy load of parasites can bring. They also cause impact on the immune system. And so the ability of a of an animal to stay healthy in all respects depends on a strong immune system, and parasites affect that. But most economically important effect would be on their performance, on their weight gain. And so those internal parasites, particularly the ones that we recognize in cattle that cause the biggest impact on performance are the brown stomach worm, as people commonly know, the worm called ostratasia, a homonchus or the barber pole worm, and then another that particularly affects younger animals called cuperia. Those are the ones that we pay particular attention to. Clinical symptoms may include weight loss, failure to gain weight, rough hair coat, diarrhea, and swelling underneath their jaw. Some types of parasites, like tapeworms, can be seen in a cow's manure. Dr. Nichols encourages cattle owners to contact their veterinarian to come up with a treatment and prevention plan. It's always a well-designed protocol at the right time to prevent the problem from occurring. Uh, once an animal has a heavy load of parasites and whether they're showing clinical signs like we just described or not, at that time, the economic impact has already been felt. Now, we certainly need to treat those animals. If we think that we've missed the ability to control parasites and, and animals are being affected, we need to go treat them. But from a production point of view, from an economic point of view, from the well-being of the animal and the support of the immune system, I urge producers to work with their veterinarian and design a protocol for their farm, their type of pastures, their environment, and time of year to have a protocol in place to proactively control those parasites and prevent them from building up to a level that causes production and economic issues. That was Dr. Mike Nichols from Beringer Ingelheim. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's shaping up to be a challenging year for raising cattle on the Texas High Plains. 
James Hunt reports from Amarillo. When I caught up with Texas Panhandle rancher Pat McDowell this week, what he was seeing on the expense side of the ledger wasn't looking too encouraging. Paying bills this morning, just going through the bills. I mean, our utilities have gone up, the gas is higher. We have a feed truck in the repair shop that they can't get a part for. You know, it's just kind of inflation. And uh, I see that being a big problem for the rest of the year. And of course, there's the big item that McDowell and everyone in the cattle business is feeling discomfort about, the escalating cost of feed. McDowell says higher corn prices are not just causing production expenses to go up for livestock producers, but are also a factor in the recent decline in the price of feeder cattle, like the ones he's preparing to sell in the next couple weeks. May feeder cattle have gone down $24 in 24 days. That's $190 a head compared to you know, what they were in the first week of April. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a whole lot of profit and, and some expenses there. So, I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't look great. But, you know, the price that we sell our 800-pound yearlings for is based on what the feed yard can pay. And what they can pay is based on the corn price. So the ranchers on the bottom end of that, so high corn and low-fed cattle, Obviously, they're going to pay us less money. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of making a long year even longer. Sufficient to say that profitability is going to be tough to come by. Yeah, it's not going to be a great year. It's not. But that's okay. I mean, we've had bad years before. We'll make it. That's the kind of positive outlook that perhaps comes with having a history in the business, like Pat McDowell and his family members, who have been operating McDowell Ranch in the Shamrock area for about a century. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The wild pig problem in Texas is featured in a new video series. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And many dogs have problems with the tips of their ears. So what causes these problems? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will take a look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Many dogs have problems with the tips of their ears. So what causes these issues? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look. The most common reason for inflammation at the tips of an outside dog's ears is biting flies. These flies can feed on the dog's ears and cause inflammation, infection, and even bleeding. Treatment involves clipping the hair off the ears and treating with an antibiotic and steroid cream and then using a topical fly repellent cream approved for use in dogs. Also, using fly control on the premise helps as many of these cases occur in farm dogs that are around livestock. Clinical signs include patches of black granular material at the tips of the ears and scraping the black material off usually leads to bleeding. 
However, another cause of ear margin disease is vasculitis, which is an immune-related disease and causes hair loss, scaling, and ulceration, and can be due to many different causes, while sometimes the cause is unknown. Symptoms occur due to low blood supply to the ear tips, and a drug called pentoxyphylline helps increase the blood supply. Scabies also affects the ear tips and is caused by a very contagious mite, which causes severe itching by the pet. Ear margin seborrhea is common in many breeds, especially dachshunds, and although it is an incurable condition, it can be controlled with benzoyl peroxide shampoo and topical essential fatty acids. The last condition I will discuss is sebaceous adenitis, and it involves inflammation of the sebaceous glands that causes the skin to become dry and cracked, and secondary bacterial infection can develop. The important thing to realize is that many of these ear flap conditions look alike, and since treatment is different, it is important to go to your veterinarian for an exam and biopsy. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The wild hog problem in Texas is featured in a new video series. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The pigs will put us out of business if we don't do something about it. Texas can serve as an example of what can happen if pig populations go unchecked. That is a clip from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's new series on the growing wild pig problem in the United States. It is called Invasive Feral Swine in America, and it's a multi-part series hosted on USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service's YouTube channel. The entire third episode focuses on wild pigs spread across Texas and the destruction they continue to cause. It includes first-person stories from farmers, ranchers, land managers, conservationists, and archaeologists. Janine Nesky is part of the APHIS National Feral Swine Damage Management Program. She says the video series is part of their continuing efforts to educate the public about feral swine while collaborating with partners to control the invasive species as they spread across the U.S. We saw those populations increase a lot, and the spread was a lot farther. They branched out from being just in the southeastern part of the country, and we saw them up in the Pacific Northwest, up in Michigan and the Great Lakes, and saw satellite populations showing up all over the place. That has led to speculation that people are intentionally or unintentionally contributing to the spread of wild pigs. As much as we manage the pig, we also need to consider managing the human aspect of their spread, which is where some of the outreach and education comes in. You can find all three videos by searching on YouTube for Invasive Feral Swine in America. Texas is the third segment. Additional videos featuring issues in other states are expected in the future. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The corn market continues to climb, and that continues to put pressure on the feeder cattle market. We'll take a look at Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Corn prices continue to climb and that pressures feeder cattle. However, we did see a higher close in the live cattle market on Thursday. We'll start with those live cattle prices. June live cattle up a dollar five, one fifteen forty-seven. The August up seventy-five, one eighteen forty-seven. October live cattle up 37 cents, 123.47. But as we mentioned, feeder cattle getting the pressure from the higher corn prices. May feeders down a dollar, 130.47. August feeder cattle down a dollar 82, 143.40. September feeder cattle down a dollar 92 at 145.55. Cash-fed cattle market has been very quiet this week. It looks like the Packers may have already had most of their needs procured through forward contracts, so they really haven't had to step into the cash market this week in what is already a very limited trade in cash market. Here in Texas, Texas cattle feeders reporting only 1,900 heads sold this week. Those cattle brought 118.50 to 119. Boxed beef prices continue to climb. Same story with choice up another 248, 30726. Select up 395 at 29013. With boxed beef prices at this level, packers are now making over $700 per head. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We had a good sale in Abilene yesterday, old Henry Pickett's outfit. Henry, talk to us about how they sold. Well, it was a little light run this week. We had a lot of rain in the area, some uh, severe weather, and uh, we ended up with about 400 with about 140 cows. Market was a little softer on calves and yearlings due to the board being down almost $4 and corn being almost seven fifty. Well, what was the shiniest consignment to come through? We had some eight-weight yearlings. They'd probably bring close to 120, 115, just a handful of them. And you said, the, how has the cow price varied from last week? Uh, it's pretty steady. Uh, cow price, uh, cattle going back to the country is steady, and the packer cow and bull market still steady. Good. Pretty good demand. Well, what are your producers thinking about hearing how box beef is going up every day and they're uh, not wanting to buy our fat cattle? What's the news there in the barn? Oh, just like always, they're wanting to get together and try to get a little better organization, a little bit better marketing, and try to try to break this monopoly up on these packers. Now, you've got some special consignments that you know of coming for next week? Uh, next week, if the market will kind of hold, we're supposed to have two loads of weaned yearling heifers weighing 750. They'll uh, be a replacement quality. Majority of them be red Angus. And then we've got a nice set of F1 tiger striped heifers weighing in that same range. Be about 40 of them out of registered horned Herefords and some really good rubber bulls. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Henry Pickett. 
here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865, or my cell number is 940-733-8208. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Neighbor looks to me like that's all the time they're going to give us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Thanks for listening. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs closed higher on Thursday. May hogs up two cents, 111.40. June hogs up a nickel, 114.47. Class three milk was lower. May milk down 28 cents, 1887 a hundredweight. June milk down 75 at 1901. A big jump in the cotton market. We saw the weekly export sales report released Thursday morning. It showed a marketing year high shipment number. That means that old crop cotton supplies continue to get tighter and tighter here in the U.S. And we see that reflected in the old crop July contract. It jumped 325 points above 90 cents now. It closed at 90.58 cents. Looking at the new crop contracts, October up 171 points, 88.72. The December up 132 points, 86.72. The corn market, as we mentioned earlier, continuing to climb. Not good for feeder cattle prices, but definitely good news if you're growing corn. And it's all because of dry weather in Brazil. The same story we've been talking about for the last few weeks. It looks like that Brazilian crop is now pollinating in hot and dry weather, and that's causing the crop estimates to fall. USDA had estimated 4.3 billion bushels. Some of the private estimates coming out now are less than 4 billion bushels. USDA will update their estimate on the Brazilian corn crop next Wednesday, May the 12th. We close with May corn up six and a quarter, seven fifty nine and a half. September corn up fourteen and a half, six forty five and a half. The December up twenty and three quarters, six twenty five and a half. In the energy markets, June natural gas unchanged at two ninety three. June crude oil down eighty six cents, sixty four seventy seven a barrel. The financial markets mixed with the Dow up two hundred ten points. 34,440. The NASDAQ down 17, 13,564. The SP 500 up 18 points at 4,186. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. I'll see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.